You're listening to All Things Video, a podcast dedicated to uncovering the past and charting the future of the online video ecosystem. This episode is brought to you by TubeBuddy, the complete toolkit for YouTube channel management. This power-packed browser extension helps with everything from bulk metadata edits and trending keyword suggestions to thumbnail optimization, fan engagement tools, and so much more. Visit TubeBuddy.com to meet your new best friend on YouTube. You're listening to All Things Video. I'm your host, James Creech, and today's guest is Jacqueline Twilley, founder and president of Zero Gap, which focuses on women's leadership programming to eliminate the gender wage gap and increase the longevity of women in leadership roles. Jackie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, James. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm so glad that we get to do this. I thought we'd start by talking about the early days of your career when you were working in sales at Gannett and later AT&T. What attracted you to the media space? Actually, when I was in graduate school, um, getting my MBA is when I worked for Gannett. And someone who was in my MBA program knew that I was looking for uh, work and introduced me. And it just seemed like a natural fit. I really appreciate that I had an opportunity to work on a physical newspaper in advertising and publishing because I learned so much about so many industries because as I was in sales, I had to learn each of my clients' businesses. So it was just a great boost to have that type of job going through an MBA program because I was able to apply so many things that I was learning in class to the real world and that's the best educational experience that I could ask for is learning on the job. Terrific. And then you later worked for the CDC and served as the vice president of professional development. What inspired you to become a career coach and help people with their personal development? When I got to the CDC, Center for Disease Control, I had been on a spiritual journey for a few years, just really trying to figure out what was my purpose in life. And when I came to that position working in global health and then the vice president of professional development for all of CDC, it was just a natural fit of being curious and chasing new things. So there's this Walt Disney quote. He says that curiosity, um, something about curiosity opens new doors. And if we follow that path, we'll learn new things. And because I was already seeking for my purpose, I kind of feel like it found me. And that transition to professional development really, really was a catalyst in me writing my first book, And it was just a natural fit for me to transition from that to doing career coaching. Fantastic. So in 2013, you launched your career coaching business with an emphasis on helping women improve their negotiation skills. What prompted you to go from working in media sales to working at the CDC to ultimately saying, I'm going to take the entrepreneurial leap and start my own business? I never imagined that I would be an entrepreneur coming out of the gate, one of the first things that I wanted to do, my bachelor's degree is in marketing. I really wanted to work for P&G because they are the marketing powerhouse. So as my career progressed and I learned what my natural skills and talents was and people would continuously come to me for certain things, I realized that I had something unique. The advice that I was giving to my friends, they would ask if I could send that to them in an email because they wanted to send it to their friends. And it was like a light bulb moment, like, oh, okay, this is what I thought I wanted to do, but this is what I'm really good at. So for me to take that transition and start building the business, um, which is now Zero Gap, it started as just career coaching. It was just a natural progression of just like one thing led to another and kind of sounds vague, but let me just be a little bit more practical. I realized after I'd given so many people advice and it was working for them that I should be paid for it. 
What was the hardest part of being a first-time founder? All the stuff you don't know. It's a blessing and it is also a big challenge that you think you can do anything. So you kind of create your own rules, but at the end of the day, certain things exist because they work really well. So just knocking my head up against the wall and learning the hard way was the biggest challenge, but also one of the best things is that I was able to lock down some pretty awesome clients right out of the gate because I didn't know the rules of the game and I wasn't intimidated by just going up to someone at a conference or flying to New York to be at a conference to meet someone because I wanted to do business with them. So that's how I was able to expand and go beyond just one-on-one coaching and offer services to large corporations. You're also a best-selling author behind Navigating the Career Jungle, A Guide for Young Professionals. What are some of the key tips that you offer in the book? Some of the key tips that I offer in the book came from my experience working in advertising and publishing earlier on and then in global health. Some of the practical things that I saw that my peers weren't taking advantage of. So realistic expectations in the workplace, like you're going to sit in a cubicle, not a corner office. There may be conflict with people at work, and that's totally fine, and you have to understand how to manage that conflict and not burn bridges. So the cornerstones of the book is honesty, integrity, but in a very practical way of like, okay, you're faced with this situation at work. How do you manage that situation so that you're not fired, but you also are staying in line with your personal values? And are some of those the key themes that you touch on in your coaching as well? Or are there other topics that you dive into with your clients? It's evolved since 2013. So right now, the core focus that I work on with my clients are three areas, executive presence, risk and resilience, and negotiation skills. And that's because through my research over the years, I've identified those three core areas as a catalyst to help women to be successful in leadership roles and not just getting their foot in the door, but actually being successful and becoming an expert in whatever domain they operate in, especially within male-dominated industries. And what are some suggestions that you would offer to a young woman just starting her career, perhaps in a heavily male-dominated industry, in one or maybe all three of those categories? First off is that you have to know your stuff. And so I think women do a really good job of coming in prepared and, you know, that boosts their competency in that. One of the biggest things that I realized and recognize that women early in the career have to learn how to do is to stand in their success. And that simply means when you do a good job at work, receive the praise for that. A lot of women tend to downplay their success and they'll say, oh, no big deal. You don't have to thank me or that was super easy. And so that plays a part in all three areas, because at the end of the day, if you're not owning your success, if you don't feel like you're doing a great job, then other people begin to question your competency as well. So when you're leading a meeting, folks may not take you as seriously when you're negotiating. They may not think you're worthy of it because you've told them from your own mouth that it's not a big deal or, oh, that was super easy. So really standing in the success and learning how to take compliments on a very practical level is something I would tell every woman early in her career that she should learn how to do. And what can men do to empower women, especially if if they want to help women in their professional development and help them succeed in these types of industries? I'm so glad you asked that, James. So one of the things is, Now that we are in the era of Me Too and Time's Up, we recognize that a lot of men are hesitant to mentor women, but we also know that in Fortune 500 companies, 
96% of leadership are males. So if women are ever going to ascend to these ranks, they're going to need to be mentored by men. And so what men can do is create a framework or an environment where both parties feel safe to have that dialogue for mentoring relationships. So face-to-face is so important. But if someone is hesitant to be in the same room with someone, doing a video chat, mentoring someone where you still have that visual connection to that person can be a very powerful catalyst into giving a woman the access to the network and to the advice. So I think that's one thing that men can do. Also, to piggyback on that, men are often promoted on their potential. And women are often promoted on their performance. So if you have women in your organization that you see potential in, give her those stretch assignments and don't judge her based on her past performance. Now, of course, I'm not talking about people who are like blowing things up and always making mistakes. But if you see someone who has potential there, go ahead and give them those stretch assignments as equal to that that you would do of her male counterparts. Absolutely. That's great. As part of evangelizing your mission and the work that you do at Zero Gap, I've noticed that you're very active on LinkedIn. What attracted you to that platform and how do you take advantage of your audience on LinkedIn? Back in the early 2000-ish era, I had the opportunity to work under a guy named Glenn Cathy, and he was one of the very early adapters to LinkedIn. He was an evangelist for LinkedIn, still is, and Through the year that I worked for him, a little bit under a year, he really taught me the ins and outs of LinkedIn. So it's been a platform that I've really enjoyed using for many years. In terms of connecting with my audience, it's just like, you know, any other platform, where are your potential customers? And so I work with professional women and I work with organizations. Most of the time, those people are on LinkedIn. They could be on the other social media platforms as well, but I decided to because of Glenn's advice, I spent a lot of time there early on in my career. Then I took a break and I find that my community is there. I can share something inspirational and something funny, but for the most part, the conversations are elevated. They're on uh, a higher level than what you find on other platforms. And the platform is set up in a way where we can have engaging conversations. And so what is the type of content that you put out on LinkedIn or what is what have you noticed about the platform and how it's changed over time? Perhaps with shifts in the algorithm, as more people come onto the platform, what are you doing there and what can others do to stand out? So one of the things that I recognized last year, and this is with the help of one of my coaches, Brad Caldwell, he is the founder of Total Life Complete based here in Dallas, Texas. He started sharing with me some of the things he noticed about the LinkedIn platform as it relates to video and how the algorithm was really responding to video. So he challenged me last year to do 10 videos in 10 days. And the content that I put out is for women leaders in male-dominated industries. So generally speaking, going back to those three core areas of executive presence, risk and resilience and negotiation, I talk a lot about those core areas. And then, of course, I mix in some of the things that I'm doing throughout my life, like such as this week, uh, Dallas Startup Week. I shared a lot about the Women in Innovation Summit because it fits right in that lane of working with women leaders. And most startups, statistically, it shows us that they're male dominated. So it was very natural fit for me to interject that into my LinkedIn content for this week. 
What's coming next? What does the future hold for the media space? I am looking at the trends like everyone else, being that I was just at Startup Week. The whole talk is about AI, uh, blockchain, and so looking at how voice is integrated into a lot of things. See that podcasts are coming up. Of course, we're recording a podcast right now, but podcasts did come up quite a bit. The Alexa, Google Home speakers, that was a big topic. So I think that's coming up and I'm looking for ways that I can continue to engage with my clients using these new platforms. So that's definitely something in terms of media that I'm spending a lot of attention looking at to see how we can continue to take advantage of these platforms to provide value to our clients. Definitely. Yeah, a lot of new technologies, particularly around AI, machine learning, as well as in voice, voice skills, voice technology, which is changing the way that we interact with our devices and changing the type of media that's created, you know, advancing new forms of storytelling and ultimately changing the way that we can interact with an audience. I'll tell you this funny story. My niece is two years old and I FaceTimed with her last week and she's walking around the house holding the iPhone and she's like, say hi to family members. So I say hi to everyone. And then she walks over over to the Google speaker and she says, say hi to Google. And I'm like, what? And then I'm like, oh, she's telling me to say hi to Google because Google also speaks to her. And I thought, man, she's going to grow up knowing Google as a voice feature only and not as something that you type in a search engine. And, And that really... It just took me aback for a second. When I hung up the phone, I'm like, wow. Her life is going to be so different from mine. Yeah, that's wild. It's, it is crazy to think how these future generations are growing up in a world that looks so different, right? They expect every device to be interactive, to be smart. Uh, everything should be a touch screen. Everything should be voice controlled. And so it really is kind of making you think about, well, what is the future of the operating system? Today, we're so used to doing keyword-based searches with a keyboard and a mouse, and that might not exist in a lot of our devices in a few decades. Totally, and we see it just like you said with the upcoming generations. They're going to demand different things, and if we're going to remain competitive in our businesses, we definitely have to pay attention to those small things. As cute as it was, it was a big business lesson for me that I have to make sure that I'm on top of these things, otherwise my business will be obsolete. So kind of on that theme, you know, thinking ahead, things that are changing, I like to ask this question of entrepreneurs because I find that oftentimes you have to be a bit contrarian in your thinking to be successful as an innovator. So is there something that you believe that everyone else thinks is crazy? Uh, This past week, April 2nd, was one of the equal pay days of 2019. And my personal mission is to eliminate the gender wage gap. And that's why I do the work I do with women's leadership with the heavy emphasis on negotiation. So a lot of people think it's crazy that I believe I, I can be a catalyst to eliminate this wage gap. But I mean, it always takes a crazy person to do something crazy to make a change in the world. So I get a lot of pushback from that. And of course, because I'm very active online, I got a lot of troll activity on April 2nd this year, but it's something that I deeply believe in. And I see the difference that I have made over the course of the year since 2013 doing this work. So that's just a fire for me to keep going. Absolutely. You mentioned you do a lot of work in and around the negotiation space with women. What are some practical suggestions that you can share? Or are there ways in which the way that women negotiate is different than how men negotiate? Thank you for asking that. A lot of the negotiation trainings and framework have been set up from the perspective of a male. 
And research shows us, specifically a lot of the research that Margaret Neal has done at Stanford University, that women cannot negotiate the same way that men negotiate because they experience backlash. So given that the book that I'm releasing later this year, it's called Don't Leave Money on the Table. And the core premise of that book is the latte framework. So I'm a coffee lover, full disclosure. So the latte framework is what I suggest my clients use when they're negotiating. And it stands for, it's an acronym, L, look at the details, A, anticipate challenges, T, think about the walkaway point, uh, the second T, talk it through, and then E, evaluate the options. So we all want good deals, but we don't know if we're getting a good deal versus a great deal if we haven't done that proper research. So using the latte framework is something that you can use whether you're negotiating a business deal, whether it's something related to your performance review, or even if you're negotiating a card or something like that, if you go through that framework, it really sets you up for success so that you can identify the difference between those good deals and the really great ones. That's terrific advice. Thanks for sharing. What does the future hold for Zero Gap? You mentioned uh, that you're working on this new book that's coming out later in the year. What are some of the other projects uh, or things that people can stay tuned from you? Yeah, so we are also in the early stages of developing an app, and it's will be a leadership CRM for women. So think about a salesperson, and this is part because of my sales background, I'm using this analogy, but a salesperson uses a CRM to guide them through the process to maintain the relationship with the client and make sure they're hitting all of the key points. What I found with women is a lot of women want a roadmap to get to leadership. We still see in the news every single day the first woman to lead this organization, the first woman to be in this industry. So a lot of this is unknown in terms of being in a male dominated industry and being the first and being really successful at it. So the CRM that we're creating for uh, Zero Gap, this leadership app, will take women through that process to help them outline the steps that they need to take to be proficient in a male dominated industry, always paying attention to the P&L because that's very important for every leader. But then all of the skills that are related to that, we're going to hit on those as well. So one question that I ask everyone who comes on the show, and particularly you, it's relevant as an entrepreneur and just coming out of the Dallas Startup Week. If you were starting a business in the digital media space today, right, looking at the white space out there, knowing everything you know with your collective experience, what would you do? It's still content. Content is very key in making sure that that content is related to inside of the media atmosphere, that content is playing up on all of the technology that's coming to us. So that's machine learning, that's the AI, that's the voice technology, and really integrating uh, the content in a very robust format that everyone can relate to. Content is king, right? So uh, definitely, it's kind of the golden era for creating, distributing, and and finding your audience with content online. It's easier than ever, and it's a great way to build a business. Yes, absolutely. Jacqueline, where can people find out more about you and more about Zero Gap? Yes, so my favorite place to hang out online is LinkedIn. So if you go to LinkedIn, type in Jacqueline Twilly, just drop a note that you listen to all things video podcasts, and I'd love to connect with you. In terms of Zero Gap, the website is Zero Gap. Dot co and that's zero spelled out z-e-r-o-g-a-p dot co terrific well thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you for the 
incredible work that you do. Everyone needs to be united on this mission together of helping to eliminate the gender wage gap. And I encourage everyone to check out your upcoming book and uh, look for the content that you're releasing on LinkedIn. Thanks so much, James. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. I'm James Creech, and this has been another edition of All Things Video. If you like what you hear, we hope you'll share and subscribe for new episodes. See you next time.